When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Your free Blue Room podcast is on the way shortly, but before we do get started, we'd just like to give you a little reminder that for those of you who want a little bit more from us, there is a lot more on offer. In 2019, there will be tons to come from our subscription service over on the Blue Room Extra. That's www.patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Every week, that service is bursting with content. It includes exclusive shows for subscribers, including our preview, upcoming matches with supporters and journalists, you know, Everton's opponents inside out. We also offer a European football show, an academy watch focusing on the toffees you've set up and the lads out on loan, as well as a weekly mailbag where we take your questions it's three ninety nine a month to become part of our Patreon community. And it's a subscription you can stop whenever you'd like. Last year, in 2018, it worked out at around 13p a show. We do appreciate the constant support we receive from those of you who listen to our free audio. And there will be much more available than ever for free in the coming months here at the Blue Room. But for those of you who would like to hear from us a little bit more, it's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Thanks for your patience with this message. Now here's your podcast. Yeah, we are back on the Blue Room and we're here to reflect on what has been a big week for Everton. It's only going to get bigger with the Merseyside derby coming up on Wednesday uh, to have a chat about it all with us now. It's the BBC's Sports Chief Football Reporter, Phil McNulty. Phil, thanks very much for joining us. No problem at all, Matt. And you were at the King Power on Sunday. Um, obviously, all you know, <laughs> Evertonians were gutted. Um, I seen you put on Twitter after that game that you could not help but feel sorry for Marco Silva. Was that almost emanating from him when that late goal went in? Well, I think it was the scene of it, you know, when you know he waited for a minute or so for the decision to be made and you wonder what thoughts are going through his head at that point because I'm not suggesting his job was resting on it because my own view is that his job is probably gone. 
but um, you know, it would have affected his immediate future. And if he'd have come away with a point, um, it wouldn't have looked so bad. Then, of course, the goal is given. There are scenes of absolute elation around the stadium, and uh, of course, all the Leicester people celebrating around him. So. It was very hard not to feel sorry for him in those circumstances. Hmm. I mean, be, be, being in the ground, I mean, obviously, you know, people who've been getting in touch with us on the show and all, all the Evertonians on the show were all very much downbeat about how, it, how it's been going so far this season, you know, the, the end result of that game at the weekend. You know, yourself being in, being in the ground, being a bit more of a, a neutral observer to all this. We were saying before we started recording, then you actually thought Everton played pretty well for long spells. I thought they were pretty good for, say, 70 minutes. I mean, I didn't think they were particularly bad for the last 20, but certainly up until Leicester equalised, I thought they were pretty comfortable. And at the start of the second half, they had three or four decent opportunities uh, through crosses from Sidibe, which unfortunately people were just not able to get on the end of. So for 68 minutes or whatever it was until Leicester equalised, um, you felt that they were right in the who's watched Everton with regularity over the last 18 months or so will know that once they, they sort of get under a bit of pressure, they are quite vulnerable. And then, unfortunately, 15, 20 seconds from the end, they were hit with that very cruel winning goal. But certainly, I thought, you know, given the some of the performances I've seen from them this season, for 70 minutes, they were very decent against a side who have been playing very, very well, particularly at home. From what you've seen of Everton so far this, this season, Phil, you know, this is not the... The first time this has happened, you know, I need to go back a month or so ago for, for Brighton, where they, they caved in late on in, in that game. I think I read earlier today that they've conceded four goals in injury time already in this Premier League season. What, what do you think it is about them that makes them so susceptible to conceding these heartbreaking late goals? I don't think it's just this season, actually, Matt, as well. I think if you just go back and examine Silver's old, <laughs> yeah. old record when the team goes behind, I think that says a lot about him and a lot about the team. But the team just doesn't seem to have any steel in it. I mean, I'm not saying that was particularly the case on, on Sunday because I thought they did OK. But, you know, against Brighton, you know, most Everton fans who were at Brighton that day, if you just said, right, it's 2-2, you can nip down the bookies and put a lot of money on how this is going to end. They would have said it'll end in a Brighton 3-2 win. And I think it's just that there doesn't appear to be any now or steel in the team. I think what has hit them a little bit is that, um, that Fabian Delft, was perhaps a recognition of the fact that the team lacked that bit of bite and leadership. They've gone out and bought him, and he's barely been fit. Um, I think that's been a big problem for them. Um, but I think in the team itself, there seems to be a lack of leaders. There's no one to galvanise them. And that means I think they are, you know, they sort of suddenly feel the pressure when it comes upon them. And certainly the record they've got, I think it's off the top of my head, it's 24 league games they've gone behind in since Marco Silva took over as manager, and they've not come back to win any of them. I mean, that's a pretty grim record, and that, that tells you there is something missing at the heart of the team. I think it's steel and character, and it would certainly need more than Fabian Delft to solve it, but he's the one that they brought in, I think, specifically for that, a loud voice on the pitch, and that hasn't worked for them. So I just I just think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a lack of steel in the team, and I think it almost becomes self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it now? I mean, you know... You, I mean, if the fans are sitting there thinking this is going to go wrong, then you must almost think thinking that as well. And certainly that's the impression you get. Although, as I say, I thought they were um, a bit unlucky not to come away with something on Sunday. They certainly put in a really good shift, much better than, say, the likes of Norwich, Sheffield United, games like that, Bournemouth even. They put in a real shift but got caught right at the end. Um, before we go on to speak about the manager specifically, um, you wrote a piece for the, the BBC Sport website in, in the aftermath of this game. So sort of the question you're asking in regards to all this is that you know Marco Silva's future is very much up in the air. You know it seems as though it's going to be a case of, of when and not if he, he does get the axe 
But the sort of question you pose throughout it is in regards to the decision maker at the football club and who you think should, who, who is potentially making it. Um, do you feel as though it's a little bit of a case of, of too many cooks spoiling the broth when it comes to Everton? Well, I think there have been sort of stories before about Everton and maybe too many voices involved in transfer deals and clubs are trying to do deals and stuff like that. I mean, I think people have every right to have their input if they're on the board of directors. Obviously, Mashiri with the 77 points plus share, uh, Bill Kenwright with 5%, and then obviously Marcel Brands. But my own view is that when Marcel Brands was brought in and within a few months he's put on the board of directors, one of the things that was said about him at that meeting was that he is now in control of the football strategy. So for me, that would be the decision to hire and fire at that level should be really heavily influenced by him and other people should have a sign-off. Um, I don't. I, I personally think if Mashiri hires someone like Brands who has this track record and this reputation and everyone talks about his, his sort of global contacts book and his ability to network around the world, then he really, for me, my opinion, he is the person who should be making this decision. And then you have to have faith in him that whoever he comes up with, then that's the person you go with. And then that's his responsibility. Then that's what you pay him for mm. and let him do it. It's only a personal view, but it seems common sense to me that the director of football appoints the manager because he's the person he's got to be working with. I mean, I'm not saying there's a breakdown in relationship at all, particularly between Silver and Brands, but you do have to ask yourself how much input Brands had into the appointment of Because when Mashiri first set out on this project, it seemed to appoint Silver, um, Brands was nowhere near the club. Uh, so, I mean, I think he was happy to work with him, but did he appoint him? And, you know, I'm not sure about that. So now when you're making this next big decision to bring in a new manager, it seems logical to me the person who's going to be working most closely with the new manager is Marcel Brands. Marcel Brands is the director of football. He's on the board of directors. They said publicly he's in charge of the football strategy. So my view is let him do it. He may well come out with a name from left field that we've not heard of, in which case good on him. But I do think he really needs to be not justifying his reputation because obviously he's earned that elsewhere, but certainly that's his job. Let him get on with it. And then Mashiri, unless he has some amazing dislike of the name he suggests hmm. he signs it off and, and then the partnership goes forward that's just my view on how it should be decided it, it, it does feel though I mean I'm, you know sitting here now I've, I've certainly got no inside information myself when it comes to this but from all the things we're seeing in the media and what we've seen said it, it just feels like there's so many mixed messages in regards to this because you're absolutely right in regards to Marcel Brands being put on the board, that, that for me is unprecedented when it comes to a director of football anywhere in European football. That, that's a huge show of faith. But some of the transfer dealings, I think Richarlison coming into the football club, it seems to me that that probably wouldn't have happened unless Marco Silva arrives. You know, there's pursuit of Decore again. feels like it's probably very Marco Silva-driven that there are links there. And even going into it to other aspects of the football club and the reports we're getting now, David Moyes, as we sit here, is still the favourite. And, and he doesn't seem like someone that, that Marcel Brands is necessarily look at. I, it's, 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 I, it's, I, I, would to, I would totally agree with you. I, I think also, I think, there has to be a two-way street between the manager and the, um, the director of football. I think the manager can say to Marcel Brands, maybe he'll use Rochelle an example. He said, look, I know this guy. I was at Watford. He did great for me in the 25 minutes I was there before I, I was sacked. Um, I really rate this guy. You know, can I have him? And presumably Brands will make a judgment call based on that. So I don't think that's so much of a mystery. I, I, but I do, I do agree with you on the fact that I couldn't imagine for one second, you know, when Mar when Marco Silva was appointed in Marcel Brand's head thinking, if this goes wrong, we need to get David Moyes in. I just I just 
I would find that um, very, very difficult to believe. Um, my own view is that that would be a very poor retrograde appointment. Um, I think pretty much every fan I've spoken to would agree with me when I say that. And you don't say that very often when I say things about Everton. Mm. Um, I just think you go back to that basic premise. As you say, he's been given all this power. They talked him up saying, this is the man. He's in charge of football strategy. This is why we have brought him in. He left a very good job at PSV, job for life at PSV. Um, he brought titles to the club. It was regarded as quite a coup for Everton to get him. In my view, let him get on with it. Let him decide when Marco Silva's going. Let him decide who the new manager is. That seems to me a fairly straightforward way of operating. Of course, he'd need the approval of the board. But if they've got so much trust in him, so much faith in him, then you would struggle to see a situation where he, he came up with a, a name so unpopular and so divisive that Mashiri might say, I'm sorry, we're absolutely not having that. I think you put the faith in the man you've, you, you've mm. given that job to do. So whether it pans out like that, you'd like to think it would, um, but uh, we shall see. Mm. On to the, the Merseyside derby then, uh, before we go to a break. Um, it's If this game pans out as many expect it will, Phil, with Everton getting beat at, at Anfield, um, Marcus Silva stood on the sidelines, you can imagine the chance from the cop about yep. Liverpool being top of the league, Everton potentially going down, Everton could go into the relegation zone in this game. Um, it's difficult to see... <sighs> many ways in which you can be in charge of the football club come Thursday morning. I can sense the anxiety in your voice. <laughs> that's, that's what I sound like all the time, being a blue, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I can't add much to what you just said there yet. I mean, I think it takes a massive leap of the imagination to to see Everton winning at Anfield tomorrow. I think you look at their record at, um, at Anfield, they've not won since September 99, I think it was, when Kevin Campbell scored that goal. Mm. Um, and in the past... They've gone there playing very well. They've gone there above Liverpool in the league and they've still managed to choke on it. So um, I'm not really good at uh, promoting any positive messages about tomorrow, given that the, the current state of the team and the results and the form. Um, I don't buy into the form book goes out of the window. It's a team put first, playing a team 17th. Um, and I think even the most optimistic Evertonian, having viewed the two teams this season, you cannot particularly see any way Everton will win that. Uh, Liverpool have lost, is it one of their last, well, it must, must amount to about 52 league games, doesn't yeah. it? Feels about uh, a million games, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, so you'd struggle to make a case for it. Um, strange things happen in football, but that would be a very strange one. And then, obviously, you talk about the consequences of it. I mean, my own personal view is that Marco Silva has been hanging on since that Norwich game because the board have either been, you know, working out how to sack him um, or how is there anybody out there who is a current viable, attractive alternative to him? I think all these things come into play. I think you can understand the, um, the reluctance of the Everton board just to simply sack him without a replacement because you will very well remember the mess they got themselves into when Ronald Koeman was sacked, yeah. uh, when, of course, obviously, um, various names were bandied, bandied about for a few days, and then suddenly Marco Silva was the target. That became very acrimonious. There was no way they were... Watford were letting him go to Everton. That all ends very sourly with Watford sacking him in the January, pointing the finger right at Everton. Eventually, they get him. But in the meantime, they in an emergency, they had to turn to Sam Allardyce, which, obviously, the fans didn't like that. Um, so I just think both financially, because the Allardyce experience did cost them, and also the manner in which it turned sour. And I think that has maybe made them 
even more reluctant to to um, get rid of Silva if they haven't got an absolute lined up plan A. I think maybe Moyes might have been one they were thinking about, but in the meantime, word has got out that that might be a possibility. And of course, you've seen an action which has been pretty grim uh, from the fans to that idea. Um, so, you know, he may go after the game tomorrow if they've been working away on a solid alternative. But I don't personally think that um, Marcus Silva's got any long-term future at Everton. And obviously, if he loses tomorrow, that will only increase the sort of speculation around him. Um, I don't know how long he will last, but I personally don't think it will be very long. I think he is a very, you know, you, you sort of only see him maybe on the television, but everyone says what a decent guy he is, very straight, very honest. And I felt very sorry for him on Sunday, and I'll feel sorry for him tomorrow if he's standing on the sidelines and Everton are getting turned over. And he, as you said, you painted the picture very accurately there about what will happen. Um, but I don't view him as having a long-term future unless something very dramatic or completely unexpected happens. Just very quickly before you do go, Phil, you know, you say there about Sam Allardyce, Ronald Koeman, we've had Roberto Martinez, we've had David Moyes before that, we've Marco Silva. Now, if you put yourself in the position of the person making the decisions at Everton, whoever that, that may be, what type of manager do you think they need? What sort of profile? I think it would have to be a manager who can make a real connection with the fans. I mean, obviously, it's a, the first manager you need, type of manager you need is one that gets results, preferably gets results playing attractive football, um, you know, you see names mentioned, say, I don't know, you've, you've seen Marcelino, Gallardo, people like that. I mean, they're the sort of names that would excite the fans. I know Eddie Howe has been mentioned and that sort of didn't really, uh, didn't really warm the cockles of people's hearts, did it either? But I, I just think it's maybe someone who can make that sort of connection with the fans and reignite the club again, because there's no doubt you know, there just hasn't quite been that connection between Marco Silva and the supporters. Ronald Koeman didn't really have it either, but Ronald Koeman didn't care about that. And I'm absolutely not criticising him for that because in his first season, he did very well. Ronald Koeman was very business-like. Um, but if they can find someone who can make that sort of connection while getting results, um, then all well and good. But the, that is the tough part of it. And I do think that Marco Silva is still in his position because Everton's board are very reluctant to make any sort of change without an absolute plan B or plan A, it might be, straight in to replace him. I think they will do that if and when it happens. It wouldn't surprise me if there was an announcement very quickly of what would happen next. I mean, obviously, that's not Everton's history of doing things like that. But I think in this occasion, because of that experience with Koeman, failed for Silver, Allardyce, then back to Silver, I think they will weigh things up very carefully and hopefully, because any big, good big business would do it, have the successor lined to come straight in, particularly given the experience they had with Koeman. Phil, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks very much for coming on. No problem at all. No problem. Yeah, big thanks to Phil McNulty there from BBC Sport. Of course, do check out that article on Everton over on the BBC Sport website and his Twitter page as well. Lots of interesting stuff going on there. After the break, we'll be Dave Downey and Mark Mosey in the studio. We'll have a chat about Leicester, Richarlison's new contract and the Merseyside derby here on Radio City Talk. We are back on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. It is Merseyside derby day be kicking off in a matter of minutes for those of you listening on the radio on Radio City Talk. Uh, Dave Downey will be joining us very shortly, but in the studio now with me is Mark Mosey. Mark, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, uh, <laughs> all things sporting considered. Uh, I'm sure we'll go into 
the plethora of issues that, that plagues most of us through every minute of our lives at the moment. But um, let, let's hope that it doesn't worsen tonight. Yeah, uh, we're going to be chatting a bit about Leicester City, of course, in the second half of this part. Um, in the final part, we'll be discussing the game against Liverpool at Anfield later on today. Uh, but news broke on Tuesday that Richarlison has signed a new contract. Um, I suppose there's a few different aspects to this in regards to how he's... How we've come to this deal, what's going on with the, with the deal, but um, overall, in a time of unbridled negativity and relentless negativity, this is a nice bit of positive news, isn't it? Yeah, we'll, um, f- as you say, for the benefit of increased positivity, we'll we'll skirt around all the all the scepticism about the timing of the deal, but um, I think in general, you just have to accept that this is essentially Everton's best player in in the present moment um, committing his long-term future to the club and um, I think you'll you'll go through some of the, the comments that he's, he said in yesterday's press conference but it was very much centered around the fact that he himself has progressed at the club he feels that the club has been very good for him um, and of course he references what we all assume now is this father figure slash mentor that Marco Silva has become for him in the last few seasons. Um, I think it's it's been telling over the last couple of weeks that a lot of the players have been relatively vocal in terms of their support for Silva. Um, Richarlison has as well done that this week. Um, and I think he, he certainly has ambitions of of playing under Silva for, for a long time to come. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's sceptical whether that will be the case or not, and you do get the impression that Everton have have done this primarily with the with the view of just trying to make everyone feel a little bit more positive about not only Silver but the club in general. Um, it's it's a bit of a ploy to generate some solidarity, but I think if if you're going to take that away, this is someone who is probably the the best goal scorer at the club. Yeah. He's probably the most important player on the pitch at the moment. Um, he is the personification on field of everything that Marco Silva wants Everton's style of football to be. And I think if if we are going to see a, a flip around in fortunes from Silva's Everton, he very much has to be at the forefront of it. Yeah. Um, just some of the quotes from him there. So speaking to Everton TV, uh, he said, I intend to be here for a long time. I tried to sweat blood and tears for this club. I intend to continue honouring the shirt and making the fans happy. And I hope they continue singing my name. My development and progress is clear for everyone to see. And Marco Silva has been part of that. He has my trust and the trust of the whole group. It's us on the pitch and we are looking to help him as much as possible. Dave Downey has joined us in the studio now. Hello, Dave. Hi, Matty. Okay. I'm very well, mate. Very well. Um, mm. Before we talk about what this means and what those quotes might potentially mean for Marco Silva, uh, just on the news itself, you happy? Delighted, yeah, um, because it seems to be him against the world right now, doesn't it? In terms <laughs> of, regardless of everybody else in the team at the moment and, and how poorly that we're doing. Um, I actually, listening to Mark there, he makes some very valid points, I think. I actually think there's another angle to this which may suggest that look, we're keeping Richarlison regardless of what happens with the manager. And mm. I actually think that there might be a ploy here by the club to separate Marco Silva and Richarlison mm. as an entity, as as a symbol of togetherness at the club and say, well, you know, things may be bad right now. They're subject to change, certainly in regards to the manager, but we will be keeping our best players and they're still fully um, enamoured with everything that's going on mm. at the club in terms of the positive trajectory we're on. 
in every way apart from the pitch right now. Um, <laughs> Do you think they still want to put the, those quotes out though? With that in mind. Well, this is this is interesting part. I mean, that was initially my thought process before you read out the sort of the second half of what Richarlison's had to say. But then, I mean, is that just paying lip service to the situation we find ourselves in ahead of a Merseyside mm. derby? I mean, you said yourself mm. about the time, and um, I've jokingly just put on Twitter then, <laughs> half time tomorrow is the time to put this out. And uh, <laughs> yeah. things have uh, certainly hit the fan by then. You would expect the way things are right now. Follow the uh, Chengtosan blueprint. Yeah, 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 which was crazy, wasn't it? At the time? <laughs> um, or possibly even after the game. Um, yeah. Look, I. I, I, I I don't mean to be a doom monger. I know people associate me with that on our show, um, but I just don't see how Marcus Silva still the Everton manager this time on Thursday. Um, I think the, the, the derby, we could be in for a pasting, um, and then I think that is, is the time to act. I don't see how they can't act in regards to timing. Many people have been talking about this as a big issue of when you actually pull the trigger, uh, so mm. to speak, on Marcus Silva. I think the ideal time would be to happen just before the home game, and we have that coming up against Chelsea. But then, you know, the other hand of that is that we don't seem to be lining anyone up. And when you hear that your best player's just signed a new deal and he's endorsing Marco Silva to be the man who changes everything in the club and saying things mm. like the squad's collectively behind him, that sort of adds another stick to this mud that we're in right now, doesn't it? So it's a, it's a really difficult one. And looking ahead to tomorrow... Yes, it's a shot in the arm. Uh, I think the club will try and make as much as they possibly can from that. But uh, it's uh, let's just take it as it is on face value and say, yeah, it's a really good thing mm. that Richardson's staying at the football club. It, it makes it all a little bit circus show if you if you do release those comments from Richardson and then and then we do go on within forty eight hours to to ax his mate who he's <laughs> referencing. And, and, mm. uh, but that's without a derby result, though, Mark, isn't it? It is. If we got a paste um, in tomorrow night, there's no way he stays. Yeah. Just um, just very quickly on that, you know, a lot, a lot of people have been calling for the club to say things about the situation, which I'm not entirely sure I'm that on board with, you know. It's sort of one of them where they, they can't really say much. Is this like, is this their way of saying something in regards to this situation that, you know, he, he might be here for a bit, a bit of time yet without I, actually saying it? I think plenty has been said. Um, in, in, I know that we made these calls for for communication a couple of weeks ago, but but since then we've had Marcel Brands, Jordan Pickford, and Richarlison all now come out and give a hundred percent backing. And I appreciate if you then, on the back of those comments, go on to lose four or five consecutive games in a row, then all of those comments become a bit null and void. But I think it's very telling, to be honest. Um, regardless of the of the derby result, I now, given the accumulation of backing that we've heard from the club. I can't see Marco Silva leaving before that Chelsea game at the weekend. Um, and that that's not necessarily my personal course of action or, or what I will plan to do, but I think it it makes a mockery of even Everton to, to go and sack Marco Silva on the back of... I think a lot of people speculated that there was an element of good time and about when we were going to do this. And there was a a school of thought that he'd get Leicester and Liverpool. Um, we'd more than likely get beaten both of those games. And then, as Dave said, we'd have something a little bit positive to look forward to on the horizon that we could potentially give to a, a new manager or an interim manager just to avoid that baptism of fire of a Merseyside derby mm-hmm. for anyone new. Mm-hmm. And as much as you get that, with everything that we've heard in the last couple of weeks, I... I think the club are given every single possible opportunity for Silva. Probably too many opportunities, given what we've seen so far this season, to turn this around. They will do anything they can 
to not become the Watford. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the managerial turnover is something that's never ever sat well with Everton. Barring Sam Allardyce, we've never appointed a manager that we didn't think was going to be here for for years to come and take mm-hmm. this club into into new eras. And as much as they have all proven to be false dawns, I don't think that Everton are now in favouring that that massive decision that it would be to admit another defeat. And th- there's a there's a point where that stubbornness probably verges slightly into naivety and a, a reluctance to as, as much as you admire the, the the concept of what they're trying to do and they're, they're trying to create this culture of stability mm. i think we could very quickly verge mm. into into naively dragging us into something yeah. that we don't want to be part of well it's, it's blind faith isn't it that's the problem you've mm. got when you've made these mistakes time and again you think okay well i need to change the questions that i'm asking well, quite clearly, if we're going off what you're, you you think's going on, Mark, I, I think that they probably see now the time to show faith in somebody, whereas mm. other times they've acted before and then we've ended up in the same situation again, which is a very bold strategy. But also you are in danger, like you say, of sleepwalking into a yeah. disaster by just simply thinking, oh, this will turn around. It's like when people say to me, when you you, you, you and I both put the fixtures out, Matt, didn't we? The updated yeah. fixtures last night. I put them out first. You, you did, that. <laughs> and I won't lie, I did copy and paste. <laughs> and just had the Carabao Cup for a little bit more detail. And the uh, FA Cup as well. Um, and people, you know, regardless of what's going on, people messaging me, oh, why are you so downbeat about this? Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll win this, we'll win that. We won't be in an imminent threat of relegation. I have to put back to people, what are they seeing that convinces them? Mm. They can't answer that question. So the answer that many provide is, well, it just will. It just will change because we've got a good squad. There's good squads who've gone down in this league. Make no mistake about that. There's teams who haven't been one of the worst three in this league Mm. that have gone down in the past. Mm. You you can't have that such a blase attitude. And it feeds into the thought process that, well, oh, you know, we'll just leave Marco Silver in charge for these big games. So if we do appoint somebody new, they'll get a a good crack of the whip because we'll be starting with some more appealing fixtures. Doesn't work like that. You Mm. can't write games off in this situation. We could find ourselves in the bottom three tomorrow night. That is petrifying, nearly halfway through a season. And I'm pretty certain the club want to ignore that. And I think that's the wrong way to go about this decision in, in the in the mid to long term. Just um, before we do go to the break, just want to bring it back to Richarlison a little bit. How how high do you think his level is, Dave? I mean, in regards to yeah. what 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 he, what he can become. No, I mean, and if he's at Everton until twenty twenty four, which I don't think many people expect him to be, but in the next three years, in the next five years, six seven years. What, what do you think of this lad? What, opposed to two questions, this: how good can he become and what will he become in regards to what he is as a footballer? I think in terms of attributes, he isn't really a conventional Brazilian in many ways. Or, well, yeah, he is a conventional Brazilian. He's box of tricks when he wants them. He's quick. He loves to play attacking football and keep it on the floor. But there are other facets to his game that are very... Um, comparable with Premier League strikers that have done well in the past. He, f- he can be physical when he wants to. There's a point in that Leicester game where I thought, hang on, you should actually go down there. Mm. Then he gets the byline and tries to pull one back to yeah. a Wobie. Went past Passy on two, didn't he? Yeah. Around the outside, yeah. Mm. Did yeah. that. He could have gone down. And, yeah. and you would have had, you thought, well, yeah, probably is a penalty that on review. Um, and he's got a lot of facets to his game that aren't really... You would associate with, I don't know, a, a Philip Coutinho, say, or, you know, um, Firmino, we'll see tomorrow mm. night. There's 
long busting runs that he does. There's things he does off the ball, and he's he's dead right in what he says there. He he puts his heart and soul into this football club. I, in regards to the ceiling that he's got, I I think he could go. I don't know. I I think he's a Champions League player, no doubt about that. I'm not too sure if you're looking at Barcelona, Real Madrid level. Potentially, yes, yeah. but I think there's. He's talking about learning and development there, which you can't say Marco Silva's done a good job with him. Um, we can't take that away from him, I don't believe, but mm. I think there's still elements that he has to learn, whereas perhaps other players, other Brazilians, for instance, have done that a lot quicker. Um, but I, I believe that he could go quite a way to the top, personally. I think if you're talking about what type, or how, how good a player can he become, he needs to... Not 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 quickly, but in in the next few years, he needs to decide what type of player he is and what position mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. going to belong to. Um, I appreciate you get occasional players like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo who who change their role slightly in latter years, mm-hmm. but we're talking about two incredibly gifted and very intelligent footballers. And as good as Richarlison is, I don't necessarily know if he's got the quality to be able to make such massive career moves later mm-hmm. in his career. Yeah. So he does need to stamp very quickly on his game what what his actual game is if he is going to develop into a into a effectively a goal scorer or a striker for Everton I think his, his general finishing there probably is a bit more room for improvement mm-hmm. um, if you were looking at him making an effect from out wide and, and focusing on wing play I, I don't necessarily think he gets a great deal of assists um, no. I get the feeling that when Richarlison gets on the ball then that move is going to end in Richarlison and that's not necessarily through greed but you you feel like he's such a he's just a, a direct footballer and his focus is is always on attacking straight at that goal that you think the the link play with those around him is not necessarily what you would what you would want from a conventional winger. He's not a conventional mm-hmm. winger. That's why we have these debates about about what type of footballer he can be. Um, defensively, as Dave said, you, you struggle to think of anyone who has given more to this club in in recent years. Um, in in terms of what he does on the pitch, but also the connection that he has with the fans off it. Um, if, if we speak about the heroes and and inverted commas legends of this club, that that we hope that any of our current players could become, he is the one that has that affiliation with everyone around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, he is very quickly becoming the, the face of, of what Everton should be. Um, I think Dave's right in terms of what he can do and, and Champions League is certainly not out of his grasp. Um, the, the major worry there is that we are Everton fans. Um, and <laughs> are, are we potentially going to be able to deliver that to him? But at least by, by signing the contract that he has done this week, it's a... It's a statement from him that he wants to achieve everything that he thinks he is capable of, but he wants to do that here. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a massive statement for a very talented footballer to make. Yeah. Just just to reiterate that Champions League point quickly, I think taking the top two out the equation, well, top two, as we would say, in City and Liverpool, I think any of the other conventional top six sides which we've seen in recent years, I, I, yeah. I think he gets a game for them comfortably. Spurs, Arsenal, United, they walk into. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's that level. One thing I would say, actually, in terms of what his his ceiling could be, um, I think he needs that personal touch. I know, I know that we speak about his relationship with Marco Silva and how that has developed over recent years, but God forbid there does become a day where those two don't work together. The next manager, be it at Everton or another club for Richarlison, has to have that very close relationship with him. I feel yeah. like he's a player who likes an arm around the shoulder. And if someone like, off the top of my head, a Mourinho was to become manager of Richarlison, I don't necessarily think he'd get the the personal affection that he would get from someone like 
Martinez or Silva, you know the types of managers yeah. that, that would invest everything emotionally into one player. Or the fella over the park. Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dave, that's a midside derby. He's going to kick off in about 45 minutes. That's the last thing we want to, last thing we want to be talking about. Uh, just my own very quick point on it. Um, I think he's playing quite well at the moment. And what I like about him is that his last three goals have all been very different. Mm-hmm. Counter-attack against mm-hmm. against Watford in the cup, cuts inside, finishes in it. Other ones are left-footed finish from Sidibe across the back post, and the other ones are a thumping header. Can score all different types of goals. When have you seen a Brazilian that good in the air? I don't think I've ever seen him on like that. Gabriel Jesus is good in the air, isn't he? True. For, for the yeah, size, yeah. yeah. But he's got some leap on him, Richardson, yeah. and he loves ghosting in behind yeah. mm. the shoulder of a defender. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, after the break, the positivity might come to an end because we're going to be talking about the Leicester game on Sunday and we'll have a chat about the Merseyside derby. We'll be right back here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Final part of the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Matt, Mark and Dave in the studio. Uh, very quickly on Leicester, uh, Dave and Rob did a really good post-match, sort of getting into the, the nitty-gritty of it. Um, we watched it in a bar in Lisbon, Mark, on my stag do, and when that goal went in late on, it was just utter silence, wasn't it? Total and utter silence, um, and not not shock, but just it's happened again. I've never heard a pin drop on a stag do in a bar full of <laughs> 25 fellas all rivally watching the match up to that point. But I think the most depressing thing about that, Matt, was that you probably had a, a bit of a 50-50 red and blue split at the time. Mm. The blues were silent through the obvious and the reds were silent because it's actually got to that point now where even they haven't got the the spirit that can be mustered to no. to take the mick out of us anymore. A few of, a few of them will be supporting us later. Uh, well, <laughs> frustratingly, a few of them were supporting Leicester at the time because of the uh, the obvious title winning connotations, but it it's horrible. I actually, I want them to hate us because they yeah. are anticipating a, a difficult game tonight mm. or they're, they're anticipating a at least a little bit of a city rivalry. Um, but the apathy is now spread across Stanley Park and even they've got it and they can't even be, be bothered with Everton anymore. Um, and I think that it, it was pretty brutal watching it. Um, it, it was, uh, as much as we obviously tried to not let it be for for, for your big weekend, it was, it was a bit of a spirit damper at the time. Um, but at least we had a, a nice surrounding and a, a nice festive occasion to um, put it to the back of our minds very quickly. Yeah. Um- Everton's performance, Dave, is that something they'll look to replicate, do you think, at Anfield later? I mean, do you think it's going to be very much a case of five-man defence, try and play on the counter-attack again? Yeah, and, and I think, for I mean, this is, well, I've been brushed under the carpet by now, but I, I tweeted at the time, I thought the first half was as good as we've been for a bit. Mm. Um, obviously, that is, has its limitations, given the run of, disastrous run of form we've been on recently, but... I felt that that was as good as we could have got from the personnel available. And, and this needs to be included in a caveat in, in, in any discussion about Marco Silva, mm. I think, is the injuries. Um, and I'm not one to defend them. I think he should be gone from the football club already, um, regardless of how we get on at Anfield and, and further down the line in December. I felt that the five-man defence served us really well. Um, and having, and I was, we've spoken about him, but having Richarlison there on the break, Having someone like a Warby who can hold it up and turn and run, yeah. um, it felt like a, a natural way of of playing given the the squad limitations that we had, and I thought it was impressive. I felt that we we weren't clinical enough, but you know that's been the same for near four years now, hasn't it? Yeah. Since Lukaku's departure, um, and I felt that it was a combative midfield, obviously square pegs and round holes with Davis and, and Sigurdsson in there, and. 
I thought they coped quite well because Leicester become frustrated with their brilliant midfield players that they have struggled to influence the game because if they were to get past Sigurdsson and Davis and or Davis, then it was generally a, a line of a three that coped quite competently, I thought, particularly with Vardy. Mm. Um, I thought we squeezed them quite nicely. We were able to push up the pitch when we wanted to. Luca Dean is a concern for me. I think that's probably a separate point to make at a different time because I think he's been quite poor lately and obviously they'll get away with it because he's Luca Dean, isn't he? And, he, and, and last season, of course. Mm. But I thought Sadibi was brilliant as well. He got forward at every opportunity. The formation and system allowed us to do that because of the three-man defence. You could have Keane or Holgate or Mina so to pull out into either side of the pitch if Sadibi was found giving the ball away, which he didn't to his credit. And I thought it was as good as we, we could have done, really, or hoped for, mm. given the um, the context of the situation. The move for the goal superb. Mm. And, I mean, I was sitting there half-time thinking, wow, has he found a way back here? Has he found a way of getting this lot to tick? Unfortunately, the second half felt such a, an inevitability, mm. I think, particularly when we can see the equaliser. I'm yeah. not sure how we end up in a situation where Vardy's got that easy of a tap-in at the back post I think Holgate's a fault I think Davis initially is a fault and then I think whoever doesn't close it down from the ball that comes in as well I think it's Keane who's over there it goes is back it? to the goal kick no, no one switched on from the goal kick no, are they? no from, it was it Pickford tries to thunder one up the pitch yeah, yeah it's not not the best kick in the world no but. it's not and and again we have these things where players fly into tackles and we saw it last season at Leicester I think or maybe the season before it was um, when we lost that game under David Unsworth where one of our players will fly into a tackle not win the ball or take the foul, and then yeah. they've got the freedom of the park. Then, yeah. and there's such a naivety amongst our players. And Tom Davis, I thought, was probably better than that, a little bit more savvy to be able to cope with something like that. Um, and then, yeah, it was like the partner, the, well, the partner, of the blue sea, wasn't it? When mm. when they come forward for that first one, I'm not too sure what Michael Keane's doing um, for possibly both the goals. He still looks like a man that's desperately struggling. Um, I and, I, and I thought playing in a three might mm. suit him there as well. I think Mean has had a couple of poor games, which is a little yeah. bit of a worry as well. Well, it is when he's your best defender because yeah. Holgate, just, let's face it, had a stinker too. Yeah, mm. just, just overall, Mark, you know, the more I've reflected on this and the more I've sort of thought about the way Everton played, that it's obviously you can take some things from the performance in some aspects, but it's a worry to me that it felt as though like we. we we got they got the equaliser. They had a little flurry where Vardy has that header. I think there's a couple of shots which which Pickford does well with, and it felt like we'd sort of seen it out and we just mm. we, we'd got through the storm. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it just takes that one little bit of pr- pressure, that one mistake from 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 Davis, and everyone just panics. And it's almost like it, I mean, it's, I suppose this is indicative of Marco Silva's tenure entirely. It's it's like teams don't have to put too much pressure on yeah. us at all be- before we crack. We are far too vulnerable, um, and you're right in that it, it feels like Everton have to move mountains to score goals, mm-hmm. but other teams merely have to get into their into our attack in third, and it's game over. Um, I think the the positive that we can all draw on is the fact that certainly from an attitude point of view in the first half. The, the one criticism that you can often point at managers for is that you haven't got the, the players playing for you towards the end of your tenure. There was absolutely no sign of that. Mm. Um, I think the as much as the quality was at times lacking, the, the motivation and the physical battling was all there. And I think that was something that has been pretty evident throughout the, mm. the whole of this mm. pretty trying period, really, bar the, certain spells in the Norwich game. I think there was a... Mm. 
there was an acceptance that the players are very yeah. much there for him. Um, the, strange, isn't it? Isn't it strange? Well, it, it kind of ties in with all the vocals that we've heard, really. In that, I don't. But normally, think, you hear that, and and that's is genuine lip service because yeah. of everything's been so poor. But yeah, you see, it's genuine, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Say? Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't think that they are are just paying lip service or just saying words to the press that will that will ultimately look a bit daft down the line. Mm. I think there is a there's a genuine content with Silver there and there's a a will from the players to turn this round not only for themselves but for him as well um, going forward in the game the, the worry for me was that and I know this is very much linked into confidence at the moment but we look so uncomfortable first of all in possession but also when leading in games um, it, it, it's something that is the sign of a very frail and, and fragile football club but the the erratic nature that we have in possession is just totally void of any maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, and I appreciate that we've got a lot of problems at the moment that are that are very much forced on through injury and and unfortunately a lot of them are through the spine of the team. But there's enough quality there to know when a foot needs to be put on the ball. The game needs to be slowed down. The game was consistently transitioning very, very quickly through the thirds yeah. without any form of composure from, from pretty much either side, to be honest. But when you're chasing the game and you've got players with such pace primarily going forward in Madison and Vardy, you can allow the game to get a little bit basketball in terms of style. And if, if there's a team that you want to play attack versus attack with at the moment, it's Everton because we haven't necessarily got the firepower going forward and our defence looks terrified anyone goes in near them. So yeah. I think that was the, the biggest worry for me is that We've longed for Everton to get themselves into those good positions and to and to get onto the brink of winning games, but that is exactly the point in which we look the least comfortable. Mm. I think the ball was coming back far too easily, not only through midfield but later in the game from Dominic Calvert Lewin as well. He he didn't look like someone as much as you'd never downgrade his work rate mm. or what he puts in physically. I think from a from a quality on the ball point of view, it was all coming back at us a bit too quickly. And as we've we've referenced there, a couple of the centre-halves who, under strain and pressure, just don't necessarily look up to it. I think when you when you look back at, at Everton last season and, and the spell of games that we had against the big sides and obviously did very well in, we, we looked at the amount of clean sheets that we were able to give to keep sorry and the the primary reason for that was that all of our defensive work started right at the top it started with Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin or whoever it was the the constant press was there and looking back at it now the fact that we kept clean sheets against Manchester United Liverpool a plethora of other sides you can count on one hand the amount of individual actions that Kurt Zuma, Michael Keane, Jordan Pickford had to actually contribute. Mm. It was all very much a team organisation. And I think we look so, so able to be got at when we sit back. And I get what he was trying to do with the five at the back. And, and certainly at the start of the game, I was very happy with it. You you can't let teams like Leicester in particular get in behind you. But the more that we invite pressure on, the, the sense of inevitability grows and grows. Mm. I think if, if you are going to try and provide that that resilience at the back and and make it so difficult to teams to get through you. You need to do everything up the top of the pitch that we're also so good at. I suppose so, we can't play like that anymore without Idrissa Gay or, or Kertzuma. No, but they're uh, still trying to play like that and that's the yeah, problem, yeah. isn't it? Well, the, we, that, that takes you all the way back to August in terms of actually physically yeah. replacing those players. But I think you have to combine the 
the defensive solidarity that you're trying to achieve with a little bit of endeavour going forward. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we totally set up shop, but all of the changes came a little bit late for me. I think bringing on someone like Bernard and bringing on Moyes Keane, they're exactly the type of changes I'm talking about in terms of stamping your authority on the game and dictating how that game is going to finish. But for me, you bring someone like Bernard on on 55-60 when the game is getting a little bit erratic. Someone who doesn't necessarily provide you with the, the physical prowess, but he's able to put his foot on the ball, pick sensible passes, and not let the ball come straight back into your yeah. half. And with Moyes Keane, we all know what we're getting in terms of just creating a nightmare for the back line. It's, it's something that we use Victor Anachibi for very well a few years ago in just bringing someone on who was going to give people a headache and not let either your centre-halves get forward or your full-backs get forward. We're, we're giving them something to think about at the other end of the pitch. And before you know it, time has progressed and the other team haven't got a chance to impact our goal. And I think that's something that we are, we are so guilty of is just allowing teams to have a go at breaking us down. Do you, do you want to have a go at winning this game yeah. as opposed to taking that opportunity away from them? That shot, I thought that was in. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah Everyone I, did at the time. It was very yeah. Raheem Sterling World Cup-esque. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was working on the World Service at the time and it was it was one of the feature games you had on. And, uh, yeah, some words were said by the editor at the time because of the noise I made. Because I thought, <laughs> I thought it was in. And when I saw the net ripple, some other, someone else in the studio thought the same as well. Mm. Um, like, he, he's a red... And he was going to celebrate, obviously, for the title yeah. connotation. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to just to make a final point on um, the breakdown for the the two goals we conceded, which Tom Davis was at the nucleus of each time. He's being criticised as I mean, he could be criticised if he took on the eleven players of Leicester and scored a wonder goal. <laughs> that such is the uh, divisive nature of Tom Davis uh, amongst our fan base. But I just want to make the point that you you talk about the vulnerability mark when he's lost the ball. There's ample time between that. Ha- There's a lot of things that happen each time when he loses that ball between it happening and Leicester scoring the goal. Surely our efforts and energy, and I'd like to think internally, this is being looked at, should be focused in. Why aren't we firstly keeping the goal you know, from happening? Mm. And secondly, where's the fight and general sort of effort to get the ball back because we mentioned this man it's obviously a theme of this show Richarlison's one of the very few that does it I don't see that many actually busting the guts to think oh, I want to get the ball back I don't just want to stop them scoring I want to get the ball back and get us back up the pitch again and it's all to me down to mentality and attitude that sort of thing because both of those goals are easily avoidable easily um, and, and yet we're, we're, we're sat there susceptible like a hot knife through butter so it, you know you can have your frustration at Tom Davis yes he's given the ball away yes he's made the mistake but please don't tell me that can't be rectified by somebody else who's playing behind him because when he's lost the ball, he's taken out of the game. There's a load of other lads there, including three big centre-halves mm. and one particularly quick centre-half. Yet don't deal with the problem on two occasions. But we need to look at that as much as Tom Davis's error. Just just very quickly, that, that's sort of indicative of the whole performance, isn't it? Because when they go 1-0 up, they don't attack well enough to kill the game off and they don't defend well enough to see it out at the, mm. at the end. Ultimately, they have a spell at the end of the first half, start yeah. the second half, where they should score a second goal. And then they have a spell after that where you think, right, there's going to be pressure now. We've got to dig in and get a draw or hold on for this win. So the defenders don't defend well enough when they, need, they needed to and the attackers ultimately didn't attack well. And the, the midfield's included in that. Um, final minute... Um, you two are off to Anfield tonight. Um, are you excited for the prospect of four potential derbies in five weeks if we get through in the League Cup? Or five. 
or five if there's a replay. Probably yeah. five in two months, wasn't it? Then. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you probably don't know when you're going to play the last one given Liverpool's schedule, do you? Yeah. And yeah. we'll probably September, be playing their yeah. reserves anyway. <laughs> so, um, at least that we get. At least it means we get through to the League Cup semi-final. And of course, um, it's good practice. That maybe when we get <laughs> half decent, we might know yeah. what they're about a little bit more yeah. and possibly beat them. We said when we were chatting about this last night that if um, if Everton were and I say this with a shudder, to play Liverpool six times this season, would you take one victory right now? <laughs> I, I probably would. Though. That's the wrong question to ask me, because <laughs> I'd rather take one... one If, if we're going to win a game against Liverpool and lose the other five, I'd rather us get more points from <laughs> an accumulated other load of opposition. In a League Cup final. It was what was discussed, <laughs> yeah, it was what was discussed in the WhatsApp group we're in with Simon, yeah, wasn't it? Because he's yeah. desperate for this win <laughs> against Liverpool. And maybe not so if it comes at the behest of us winning a couple of other games, maybe yeah. not just that one. But um, I just can't see how we do that yeah. uh, later tonight. And I think it could be Marco Silva's swan song. To your original question, I am I am not excited for Anfield, but that is through no reading of the of, of the current text of Everton. It's it's just the fact that we've we've all been alive long enough to know that how this goes. We're yeah. in for two hours of we, pain. You're actually in the away end where Dave is uh, quaffing champagne in the hospitality. I think I'm, yeah. with, my, I'm with my Danish friends. Yeah. <laughs> you can tweet me at True Blue. <laughs> you can tweet uh, me at Corporate Sellout. Uh, <laughs> of course, we will be reacting to the Merseyside derby and all the subsequent developments that could happen this week. Thanks very much to Dave, to Mark, and to Phil McNulty of BBC Sport for joining us earlier on. That's been your weekly. Blue Room Show here on Radio City Talk. Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.